Welcome to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. Today, we are talking about the stock market and some little tips we have. Joining me today is Dan Calandro. He is a financial scientist. Welcome to the show, Dan. Thank you. Glad to be here. My first question for you, Dan, is what is a financial scientist? I mean, that sounds to me like you're the guy in the basement producing money, like that counterfeit stuff. No, that's the Federal Reserve, actually. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, I became interested in the stock market on October 19th, 1987, uh, Black Monday, they call it. It's still to this day the single largest drop in stock market history one day. I think it was 23 percent. Yeah. And back then, you know, I was studying to be a, a corporate finance professional, you know, CFO. And 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 luckily for me, and I got to do that a, a few times over. But I've been intrigued uh, by the stock market since then. And I've been doing research and data crunching, data analysis and writing ever since. And I think that basically makes me the scientist. I also invented in the topic centerpiece of my book, uh, a method of stock allocation called 1551, which basically makes investment easy to understand, simple to do, and, and consistently produces superior long-term performance over any five-year, 10-year, 15, 20, whatever you want to do. So basically being a financial scientist is about experimentation with different ways to make money, I guess, or you know, see what will happen with money, as opposed to I couldn't actually just go to a college or a university and come out with a financial scientist degree. No, I, I mean, I have an undergraduate in finance and economics, and I have a graduate in accounting and finance. And really, I was one of those students, Heather, that took all the securities analysis, you know, classes in graduate and undergraduate school and was one of those geeks, you know, that went to the library and, and opened up the book and took the Wall Street Journal out, you know, pulled <laughs> annual reports for companies and and realize that none of that stuff that they're teaching in college ever works. Right. I mean, none of those formulas work. And, you know, that's what got me curious about it as a hobby. And I've been doing this as a hobby part time for my whole life. And what I learned over the time is it's not that complicated. It's not as complicated as Wall Street makes it seem. And it's most of the information that they give you is it's not good and it's not right. And I've, like I said, I've, I've put a lifetime into proving all of that wrong. And, and, you know, the question that always comes up, Heather, is, you know, why can't I just give you my money? Why don't you become a licensed guy and just be a hedge fund guy? And, and the answer to that is that I don't want to be. I don't want to be one of them. I want to help people. I want to teach people. I want to coach people. Because if I ever get licensed, and I flirted with it a couple of times, you know, I, I studied for that Series 65 a couple of times. And and what always turns me off is when you get into the advertising section of that. It's a law. It's, it's basically a law exam. And you can't say some things like like if if I were licensed, I couldn't tell you audience right now that. Have you ever heard the old saying, you know, past performance is not indicative of future results? Have you heard that? Right. I mean, it's, yeah. I'm basically every commercial. And that's not true. I mean, I could prove that mathematically science. Yeah. You know, you have to take more risk for more reward. You know, you've heard that. That's not true. I, I could prove that mathematically and scientifically. But if I got licensed, I can't say that. That'd be against the law. Right. One of the things that you've just sort of led into is please explain to me what the stock market actually is, because I have my idea the stock market is this horrible thing that lives off of Wall and Broad. Yeah, 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 off of futures, basically. If a company says, 
oh, we think that when our quarterly report comes out in another month, we just don't think that we're going to make as much money as we said we were going to two months ago. Now, nothing has changed about that company. But because they said, oh, we think we're going to lose some more you know, money than we thought, then all of a sudden it, it just tanks. And the reverse is true as well. Oh, we think we're going to do better. Nothing has changed. The CEOs are the same, the CFOs. But the stock market goes up and down based on just what somebody says, not what is actually happening. Yeah, I mean, and that's propaganda, right? So the number one driver of the stock market is speculation. I don't care what any financial advisor will tell you. It's it, They're all speculating, you know? So, so what are they speculating on? You know, profit, right? Because profit is return on investment. That's profit. I mean, that's, that's, that's what it's about. But, you know, the stock market is basically, if you look at it this way, you know, the stock market is a grocery store for shares of corporate ownership. That's, that's what it is, right? Okay. Now, you, your grocery store, you can go into it, I can go into it. And, and the difference between that and the stock market is, the stock market is a restricted market. You can't go into it and I can't go into it. You got to pay a broker basically to, right. to go broker the deal for you. You give them their money and they go buy the stock and give it to you. I mean, that's that's the nature of that. And the confusion is really is a lot of people confuse the stock market with the Dow Jones Industrial Average or the S&P 500. And they're not the stock market. They're a stock portfolio. That's all they are. They're, they're a portfolio of stocks. And it's easy to find out what they are. You just got to Google it these days. 1987, when I started doing my research in, in, on a stock market, you know, you actually had to go to microfiche, right. you know, and find out. And it took hours and hours to find out that the Dow Jones Industrial Average only has 30 stocks in it, right? Yeah. And the S&P 500 has 505, I think now, or 504. And they're just stock market indicators, right? Their, their job, their goal, their objective, the portfolio objective for those are, are to indicate how the average stock market is moving. What's the average stock doing, right? right? And how do they how do they determine what average is? That's another no one talks about it, but it's they take gross domestic product. That's the economy. That's the measurement of, of the actual market, GDP, right? Right. And GDP is basically the sum of spending for all markets. So your grocery store, my grocery store, you add all up the grocery stores in a country, right? And that's the grocery market, the automobile market, right? Honda, Toyota, you add them all up, that's the automobile market. Well, you add up all the markets in a territory, America, and all the spending in those markets, and that's GDP. So what the Dow and the S&P do is they allocate their portfolio the same way GDP is, right? So if GDP, if 38% of all spending is in technology, there's 38% of stocks in the Dow and S&P 500 that are, that, that's some update, 38%. So that's, how they determine the average because GDP is the average of all spending. It's the average of all markets. Ah, okay. So, so that's it. Right. So, and, and I proved my method 1551, my stock allocation system, I proved that you can be market diversified with only 15 stocks. And everybody knows 15 stocks, Heather. You do. Right. I do. Yes. Right? Before we get into that whole thing, I want to take a break and then come back sure. and take a deep dive into that so people sure. might have a better understanding. So we'll be right back with Dan Calandro. He is a financial scientist. Welcome back. 
back to Money Making Sense, the show that affects your life in any way money-wise. We're talking about it. And today we're talking kind of about what the stock market actually is. And my guest is Dan Calandro. He is a financial scientist. Dan, in the last segment, you explained exactly what the stock market is, which it isn't really a stock market. But you had talked about how we've been taught about how to buy stocks and how many and being diversified isn't true. So tell us what you have discovered yourself through experimentation. Yeah, that, that's a great question. All right. So Wall Street will sell you the propaganda that, you know, you have to be broadly diversified to, to limit volatility and maximize return over the long haul. And think about this for a second, Heather. There's 115 million Americans own mutual funds and they own, on average, four mutual funds. OK, so those four mutual funds, the average mutual fund has anywhere between 500 and 1500 stocks. in it, Right. Right. So you add it, multiply that by four and you're, you're talking five, six, seven thousand stocks. And the average investor then is trying to outperform a 30 stock index, the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Right. With five thousand stocks. The law of large numbers tells us that's impossible to do. And when I first started doing stock market research, it was for my thesis, my senior thesis, actually in graduate school. And, and I wrote a business plan called Super Funds, America's first micro super fund. My objective there was to compete against the big boys on Wall Street with a mutual fund that had well, that was cheaper and that produced more return with less risk. And I learned that if you shrink your portfolio, you actually reduce volatility, you reduce risk. And you increase return. It's the equivalent of going full steam ahead at an iceberg. Okay. You either can be in a Titanic, the S and P five hundred, right? Right. Or you could be in a speedboat. My portfolio. Which one do you want to be in? To miss that iceberg, right? If you miss it, you want to be in the smaller boat. Yeah. Exactly. You want to miss it. it and why hit it? You know, no. Even the big boat doesn't want to hit it. They just can't turn fast enough, right? Right. So I've done a lot of analysis on this. And, and the funny thing about it is people think safety is in numbers. And that's true when you're walking down a dark alley. But that's not true in the stock market, right? What, what you want is a Navy SEAL team. You don't move the whole United States military because it's the biggest, strongest in the world. You send the Navy SEAL team in. Yeah. And what you want in your portfolio is a Navy SEAL team, a bunch of above average stocks, me, I, I diversify according to market diversifications, and I do it with 15 stocks, and I outperform. And I don't even try to outperform. I mean, I, I, I try to outperform. That's my objective, but I don't try to kill a stock market with my portfolio. See, the, the Dow and the S&P 500 have a, are portfolios that are, their goal and purpose is to indicate average, right? Right. My portfolio that I update all the time and I blog about, the purpose of mine is to indicate stock market strength. How's the strength of the stock market doing, right? Yeah. I outperform the stock market consistently by triple digit percentages and it's less risk, more reward. And all it is, is above average stocks. It's not, they're not even great. I could outperform my portfolio um, with the same 15 stocks allocated differently because yeah. I know it's built, you know. Up until the pandemic hit, my all of my stocks, every single year I was getting 15 to 16% return, which may not be like spectacular, but for 10 years leading up to that, the stock market itself was on average getting like 8% return. So I doubled what the stock market was doing. Yeah, excellent. And good for you. Excellent. Yeah. And, and 
again, you know, the stock market to this day is still higher valued than the peak of the tech boom in the 1990s. Mm-hmm. Think about that. You Can you compare this economy to that one? No, no way. No. Right? It, there's so much money. There's so much Federal Reserve money in the stock market right now. And again, wait till next year. You know, you might want to have me back next year when <laughs> when, when all hell breaks loose. Because it's going to. Yes. It and has you're to. setting it up to do that. It has to. Again, you know, when the stock market goes up, everything goes up. When it goes down, all stocks go down. It's just, it's just, it's gravity. Yeah. It's what happens, right? And and they, the, when I say they, I mean the Federal Reserve. They pumped six trillion dollars into a twenty trillion dollar economy in ten months during the COVID. Mm-hmm. Six trillion dollars of new currency. It's still in there. That's that's the cause for inflation, right? That's why inflation continues to plague us, right? Yeah. At some point, they have to pull that out, but they can't take it out all out of your wallet. They can't take it out of your banking account yet. They have to take some of it out of your retirement account, and they'll do that with a stock market correction because it's very easy for the establishment to create a huge stock market correction. Because again, a Dow Jones Industrial Average is only 30 stocks, right? right? The top 15 in that portfolio move the whole market. The S&P 500 is 505 stocks or 504 stocks. The top 25 move that whole portfolio. If the institutional traders on Wall Street, you know, those people, if they want to create a giant correction to scare the hell out of every investor out there, they'll do it by just trading 15, 20 stocks because the the top 10, the top 15 in a Dow and the top 25 of the S&P are all in each other, right? right? It's very easy for them to choreograph a crisis. And 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 that's how they, you know, that's how they get what they want, right? By scaring the hell out of we yeah. people. So how do we determine which 15 stocks we should be investing in in order to get a better return on our investment? By only having 15 stocks, you automatically increase your chances and your return without a doubt, right? What 15? I, I, I speak about that in, in chapter four of my book. But I tell people, follow your money. To invest the way I invest, it's very personal. My portfolio reflects me. I don't need to go out and find that next great hot stock because I find it automatically by the way I spend my money, invest my dollar. Um, So you're saying if you are into buying Toyota, like you only buy Toyota cars, then I should invest in Toyota. Yeah, I mean, if you love them and, and if you want to be, see, I talk about that in my book, actually. I, I profile Honda and Toyota next to each other. Toyota is a pure automotive play, right? I mean, they only sell cars. Honda sells cars. They sell generator engines. They sell engines to almost, you know, every, my lawnmower, right? My right. blower, my pressure washer. You know, I mean, they just sell great engines. So they're they're more of a diversified brand than, say, Toyota is. So, yeah, you have to pick, you know, what you like and, and want most. But if you love it, you know, if you have 15 stocks and you got, you want to be well diversified, you should tap into multiple markets with every stock. Toyota is going to tap you into one. One, okay. Automotive, right? Right. So those are different. So so there's some thought to it. But, fi- but, you know, me, my favorite stock in my portfolio, and it's been there from the beginning, the stock called Church and Dwight. Have you ever heard of that stock? I have, I have not. I bet you you heard of them. Okay. Have you ever heard of Armour Hammer baking soda? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, they do. That. Amongst a ton of other things, uh, mentadent, toothpaste. I mean, they're, they're huge and they're very well managed, right? 
and a very consistent above average performance. That's my portfolio. I don't have room for for average or below average, right? right. Church right. and Dwight. And you know how I found it, right? Going through my cabinets and my covers. That's it. Oh, That's nice. It. You know, all of a sudden I see Church and Dwight. I mean, read labels. You know, I, I tell people this all the time. The best for men, the best partner, the best investment partner for you is your wife. Who spends like them? You know what I mean? And and really, you know, and, and for women, their husband or their partner, teamwork, uh, that's the best way to, to do it. And you'll be surprised what you uncover when you start to look at products that you love as investments, investment opportunities. We're going to take one more break. When we come back, we need to learn a little bit about when should we buy these stocks that we are connected to. So we'll be right back with Dan Calandro. He is a financial scientist. Welcome back to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. Today, my guest is Dan Calandro. He is a financial scientist, and he's helping us understand a little bit more about Wall Street and what it really is, how we should perhaps be investing our money if you do want to get into stocks. So, Dan, you just discussed if you want to get into portfolios, it's buying stocks of products or items that you already are purchasing yourself. Because if you buy sure. them, you should be investing in that company. Yeah, and, and think about this, right? People always get, oh, you see gas prices? Well, yeah, I, I do. I live right around the Exxon. I go there all the time. I, I buy Exxon. Why? I constantly give them money. And the and the best feeling is, is when you go there and buy, yeah, gas prices. But you know what? Part of their profit is my return on investment. Yeah. Right. yeah. It takes the sting out of it sometimes. You know? Okay. But I need to know when is the best time for me to actually buy stock into a particular company? Well, you know, market forces are more powerful than any single dynamic a stock or a company faces. There, There's no doubt about it, right? Like like I said, when, when all stocks go up, all stocks go up. When all stocks go down, all stocks go down. The weak go down more. The weak go up less, the strong go up more, go down more. I mean, that's just nature, really. And I'll say this, everything is cyclical. We're at the end of the cycle now. I've been writing about it. I always said inflation is a key trigger. I mean, that's when you got to start to really be careful because the Federal Reserve controls the monetary system through Wall Street, right? You're right. The money goes into them and it comes out through them. Stock markets go up when, it, when they're injecting and they go down when they're withdrawing and they're starting... To slowly withdraw now, but they're gonna they're gonna have to speed it up because they need the money. They honestly they 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 need to take the money out of the system to slow inflation down. And the world is at war, right? Right. So the first step to all investment is to assess your market condition. What what's going on in the market? Which direction are we going in? And look at it right now. I mean, this economy is under pressure because of inflation, and interest rates are starting to go up. That's going to make the cost of goods go up. The world is at war. There's a big election going on next year. A lot of people see the correction, a recession coming in the economy. It has to happen. It's, if it's not already happening, you know, it'll be here next year. Yeah. I mean, I see a giant sell-off. And the time to buy is when the world is falling apart, Heather. Yeah. That's the time, right? When everybody is selling and stocks are crashing and there's a big one coming. There's no doubt. I'm not the only guy saying it either. The correction that should arrive next year, I, I'd be shocked if it happened in in the first or second quarter. I think it'll happen later, but it, it could. We'll make the last one. And I mean the last one being 08. I, the, the COVID yes. thing was just 
you know, that was a blip. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this one coming will make the last one look like child's play. And, and, and for that, you need money. You need capital. You need cash. Right. The, like Wall Street always preaches and they're still doing it now. I mean, they, they mail me all the time. Right. To be fully invested. And, and, and I'm against that. Right. Because it's buy low, sell high. If you're fully invested, you have to sell something low to buy something else low. That's that's not. The right. cliche, right? Right. You gotta have money. On the day we're recording this earlier, the Dow went up like two hundred eighteen points or something, was having, you know, fairly good rise. If I was thinking of saving for the future for when all the stocks go on sale, maybe I sell some stock that is doing really, really well right now if I can. And then put it aside and wait until everything else falls and then buy the other stocks that are on sale. I call it on sale. When the stock market drops, Absolutely. And I say, hey, it's on sale. Let's buy it. <laughs> Correct. So right. is that Correct. something? Yeah, it, it, no doubt about it. Right. And, and I'm not a trader. I'm, I'm a long term investor. But I buy when conditions are ripe to buy and I sell when conditions are ripe to sell and everybody has their own situation, you know, what you could live with, what you can't live with. Right. But I say this, the, the Dow Jones industrial average right now is up 500 points and points don't mean as much to me as percentages because five, right. so the stock market is at 34,000 right now. I would not be shocked in the least the bottom of the next correction breaches 15,000. I, I wouldn't be shocked one bit, not one bit. Because again, the stock market over, it's speculative, right? It overreacts on a way up and it overreacts on a way down. So when do you buy? Here's the secret no one will tell you. When the banks go broke, when the Federal Reserve has to print money to bail out Wall Street because they make the market of stocks, right? So if they don't bail out Wall Street, everything crashes and then you need guns and animal and, and silver, really, right? Right. So when, when, the panic comes and the crisis comes and everybody's selling because they're so scared and you see stocks just plummet 10, 20% today, 10% tomorrow, another 20% next week. They, they just start dropping, right? And all of a sudden the Federal Reserve comes out and says, we have to inject liquidity into the financial banks are in trouble again. When that happens, the bottom is near okay. and it's a good time to buy. It's a good time to buy. Whatever that time is, when the Federal Reserve starts to buy low, right? Right. They're as corrupt as anything in, in Washington. Yeah. State. No, that's, I. That's not. A, that's a safe time to buy too. Exactly. Follow them. Um, it's their game. It's yeah. their world. They control it. We're, we just live in it. I right? try to advise people to stay in the market for the long term, but if we know, and we do know, the fall is coming. So if we wanted to just capitalize on what we know is going to happen, that's all I'm saying is now might be a good time to sell some of your stocks, not everything, yeah. but just sell, uh, sell a little portion of some of it just so you have that in reserve. So as you say, when it crashes, then you've got that money set aside. You can buy more. If think, Yeah, I agree 100%, Heather, right? If you're 100% invested right now, it takes them off the table. It's at 34000 right? I mean, again, you can't buy low without cash, so... yeah. You know, if you have none, you can't capitalize. And think about this, right? During the last crash, which started in the fall of 2008, mm -hmm. the, the stock market didn't bottom until, until March of 2009. It took seven years for the stock market to get back to its previous high. So if you, if you just hang on and never like sell high, right? And you just held everything else. Yeah, it came back and it went higher, but you didn't go anywhere for seven years. Right. I mean, do you want to waste that kind of time? 
seven years. I'm 56, right? I weigh seven years. I'm at 63 now. Right. Right. That's a long time to wait. It really is. And, and again, I mean, the stock market today is valued higher than it was at the peak of the tech boom. And you can't compare that economy to this. That one was grown at 6%. This one's barely grown at one. That one had no inflation. This one's got eight, 9% in it, especially if you check the price of food. Right. Oh, uh, God. Energy, yeah. you know, heating yeah. season's coming up. You know, people got to put $1,000 into their oil tank. Think about that. Yeah. That's why we'll be in a recession in early next year. And um, they probably, you know, it's in arrears when they, when they report it and everything else like that. And just remember this. Most major stock market corrections happen during presidential elections. Oh, that's Most true. Yes, Most I hadn't thought that. Okay. So, yeah. Dan, if people are interested in learning more about your theories and how you believe that the stock market actually works and when to buy and sell all that, where can people go to get more information from you? Yeah, the easiest place is to go to my book's website and it loseyourbroker.com. There you can find some of my blogs and, um, my book is there. And if you go to to the About Dan tab, you could get into my business and book an appointment if you want to chat. And I'm putting together programs right now for really three classes of, of investors, you know, novices, skilled investors that have been around that are looking for think tank, the novices that are looking for, you know, instruction, coaching, and a concierge service for, for the high net worth people that want to put some strength into their portfolio and just don't want to have to do the legwork, right? Want it done for them. So I'm in the process of doing that now, but the best place is to start at my at my book website and then follow the threads. I'm on LinkedIn as well. Okay, loseyourbroker.com. We'll be right. heading over there. Well, thank you so much for giving us a little bit more information. I think because I have just never trusted how Wall Street works. I don't blame and, you. But no one's ever been able to explain a different format to me. So thank you very much for helping us out. Anytime, Heather. Anytime. Pleasure. Thanks for listening. You can email me with any questions or topics you want to hear about at hkelly at ksl.com. That's h-k-e-l-l-y at ksl.com. And because this is Money Making Sense, you can subscribe for free on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast, and you'll never miss another episode. Thanks for being a Money Making Sense listener. Follow your common sense on the social media. Money Making Sense on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.